Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, the Wi-Fi standards have decided that Logic has no place here again. We'll cover that more in more detail. NVIDIA announces they don't care about your desire for a GPU as they announce both a big and a small GPU. AMD is dropping the pins on their CPUs. Konami chooses NFTs over legacy and all the wackiness from CES. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, nor it's 2 a.m. Go to Mary, this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. CES 2022 has come and gone, and most of it did not happen on the CES show floor. I saw no one, literally no one, actually have feet on the ground at the CES show floor, but apparently there was one. I think the only footage I saw of the actual CES show floor was from the booths themselves. For all I know, CES 2022 was actually a ghost town. If I say, by the way, just for the record here, if I actually say... 2021 i mean 2022 i cannot even tell you how many times i have done i have done the early bird briefing said the date and then realized like halfway through i said it was 2021 didn't i In any case, we're going to get to CES 2022 in a bit, but um, first things first, I want to actually get a whole lot of non-CES news that is actually kind of troubling. For starters, model Brooke Nader found that someone tried to use an AirTag to track her. We have been talking about the potential of this kind of stalking attack using trackers like the AirTag, but for the most part, we didn't find any, you know, credible accusations of this being done. It was all theoretical. Now it's actually happened. But here's the troubling thing. You know how every phone, Android or iOS, is supposed to let you know when a AirTag that doesn't belong to you is being used to track you? You know that whole jazz? The model didn't realize that she was being tracked until... About halfway through her walk home alone. With it taking that long for, 
your phone to finally identify uh, let you know that this is a, a thing that is happening that is kind of that's a bit concerning and there's a big flaw in um in this tech so i mean what's what's the answer here Here's what I'll say. I wouldn't be too concerned about this sort of attack because let's be perfectly honest. If someone wanted to to go ahead and track you down, they're going to go ahead and use tools outside of just an air tag. An air tag is just the easiest way to do it. But if someone is really dedicated and really wants to go ahead and go after you, they're going to find other ways than just an air tag. Not to go ahead and absolutely scare you with that sort of thing, but if someone's dedicated enough, they're going to find a way. Down the road, software is going to get better and better. Most likely, there's going to be an update down the road from Apple on both the Android and iOS side to ping for these kind of straight air tags more frequently. But in the end, the only thing I can really say is just stay safe out there. At the same time, you can't be absolutely paranoid, just like, oh, man, what if they're out to get me? What if they're out to get me? That, that's just a, a road down going absolutely bat squeak insane. And that's not healthy for anyone. Just be safe. Be aware out there. Just know that this kind of thing is possible. And that's really all there is to it. Someone in chat probably brings up the 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 biggest tinfoil hat point out there that will turn anyone who's even slightly crazy full crazy as a friendly reminder that if you have a smartphone just about every app on there has a tracker hidden in it and no matter how hard you try everything can track you even if you turn off the GPS everything will track you There is no escape. No escape. And that's actually just, honestly, the... That's just the truth of the way that things are nowadays in the world. Which is also why I am very much a fan of the kind of movement Apple's... Oddly enough, of all the people to start at Apple to start the movement of... Giving the users more and more control over what apps track what. Speaking of ways that apps track what, France has ordered Facebook and Google to offer one click cookie rejection. So,
I should actually cl clarify because uh, the person in chat want, wanted to put it out there. What I'm saying there is not like conspiracy theory sort of stuff. It's just stuff that makes you start, <laughs> that makes you wish that you were wearing tinfoil. It's, it, it is true. Freaking everything tracks you. There's more and more waves to block tracking. We're starting to actually get some of our privacy back. But I guarantee you that freaking way more apps on your phone than you are comfortable with are tracking you at all times. Like, let's go ahead and take a look at this, that, the other thing. Oh. Holy cow. I, I was about to go through and just like sarcastically bring up a bunch of e emails and say like, they're tracking me, they're tracking me. I just realized that apparently Google Voice, um, every time you send a text message, you get an email on, from Google Voice alerting you that you got a text message back. Holy cow. I was using a Google voice number earlier to uh, look into a suspected scam. And uh, sure enough, it was. But now I have like a hundred plus emails in my email alerting me that so-and-so has text messaged you back. And it's like, yes, I know. I was messing with them in real time. On that actual same note, by the way, if you go ahead and on a site like, uh, what was the site that this was on? If on a site like OfferUp, uh, you see something like a Nintendo Switch being sold for 25 bucks with $15 shipping, it's probably a scam. And the person that led me onto this suspected it was a scam. And they were right. It was a scam. Yeah, everything's tons of stuff are tracking you. I've got freaking 53 tabs up right now just for this podcast. 53 different stories. I'm not going to get to them all the way. There's no way. Every single one of them wants cookies to go ahead and track my location. It's just the way of the world right now. And granted, it is changing back to the favor of privacy. It is not tinfoil hat conspiracy level stuff there to go ahead and clarify my usage of words. But you should be aware of what is out there. But yes, back to the order. France has successfully ordered Google and Facebook to offer one-click cookie rejection. So if you didn't want to be tracked by Google and Facebook, they have to provide a one-click option to reject those cookies and have been fined 210 million euros for having, quote, complex cookie opt-outs. 
So if you want to go ahead and say no to chocolate chip cookies, they have to give you one button to say no instead of however many it was before. A 210 million euro fine. I actually wonder with all these. I do wonder after all the lawyer fees are paid and all. How much these fines actually do impact these sort of mega companies? I know it doesn't impact them nearly as much as you'd originally think. Like 210 million euros, which probably ends up being roughly 300 million US dollars. To billion dollar companies like Facebook and Google isn't much, but there are other fees associated with this, such as the lawyer fees and whatnot. I would be very curious how much in the end is actually paid. Someone in chat actually did the math. It is roughly 238 million USD. Wait. Yes, 250, 200, 238.5 million US dollars is what the fine ends up being. Plus also the lawyer fees of having to go and fight this in the first place. So yeah, we can now thank France for one button results. Also, I have an anonymous source here that has actually given a little bit of insight as to why the Dutch were specifically trying to defend the dating app environment against Apple, but no other type of applications apparently the uh i I won't give too many details because it might actually reveal the source and i actually do trust the source of um apparently there's actually a big uh, big kind of racket involving dating sites in the netherlands that use tons of microtransactions and it ends up just going into just almost straight up pornography with the way this kind this kind of stuff just ends up being um ends up devolving within the Netherlands, according to the source. And it's actually been just getting worse and worse, and even to the point of just bots trying to go ahead and fish for as as many microtransactions as possible in these dating applications, which doesn't surprise me at all. But there's a little bit of insight. There's just a huge dating app racket going on there and they kind of got their way in and said hey can you make it so that we get a bit more make it worth your while nudge nudge wink wink at least that's what it's sounding like shifting gears though a bit Microsoft Exchange servers went down as apparently the year 2022 has too many twos in it for the server to handle. That's the best I could actually make of this 
of this bug. So right when it went over to, to January 1st, 2022, the servers just couldn't handle it, creating almost a Y2K22 kind of bug. But Microsoft has since patched it. And all is well again. How the heck is it that we survived Y2K, which there was actually some logic to the scares going on there. But 2022, that's when the email servers crash. We barely felt anything from Y2K, granted because Y2K, we overhyped and just overprepped for it. But no, 2022, that brings down Microsoft. Quick update to a previous story. The FAA was going after AT&T and Verizon to delay their big 5G rollouts worried about interference, even though the FAA couldn't really provide solid evidence to their claims. Well, AT&T and Verizon has, in fact, backed down right now from pushing forward with their 5G updates, and investigations are moving forward in regards to the interference. It's kind of funny. There's been so many very wild and abstract and very strange conspiracy theories in regards to 5g that it kind of muddies up the legitimate concerns that 5g actually could provide interference to equipment we use today because the frequencies are so close and granted every concern has proven to be incorrect but i do wonder how many people saw this story and rolled their eyes thinking that there were just a bunch of whack jobs within the FAA, which could still be true, by the way. But I do think the number of people who just dismissed the FAA's concern as just being tinfoil haddish. But in any case, investigations are moving, moving forward, and I think that is actually for the best as we try to find out what is really going to be the problem? Knowing is far more important than just not. The International Trade Commission has provided me a pop-up that blocked out the entire article so I can't see squat. <laughs> the Inter International Trade Commission has sided with Sonos against Google in regards to protocols for how... Google's third-party Google smart speakers have to operate. So now, well, Google has to go and rework how their own speakers work to play more friendly with third-party spe spe speakers. I've been talking about Spreaker so much. I almost started saying Spreaker instead of Speaker. You know, even though I dumped Spreaker as my podcasting platform, it's kind of funny. Ever since I left, I have been hearing them advertise more and more 
on very odd platforms. It's almost as if with the rise of Anchor, iHeartRadio is looking at Spreaker and thinking, oh, maybe we should do something with that instead of just letting it be a legacy platform that is not profitable for most podcasters. Honestly, I would never consider going back to Spreaker unless they went ahead and drastically revamped their advertising platform. I'm sorry, putting in three minutes worth of ads on my four-minute podcast is unacceptable. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is just straight up, completely and utterly unacceptable. But in any case, smart speakers getting a bit of an update. Speaking of updates... 77 terabytes of research data were lost because of an HP Enterprise software update. So, for those who don't know, a lot of these servers you get from HP or Dell or Lenovo or IBM or who actually makes other servers, um... Not Supermicro. Supermicro doesn't give two Fs. Uh, Fujitsu. I'm actually drawing a blank now on like every single enterprise platform out there. But a lot of them, what they'll do is that they go ahead and have software integrated with their hardware to better manage their servers. HP Enterprise and Dell both are notorious for having a lot of what we would consider bloatware, but is actually more intended to maintain a large number of these servers. In fact, actually, I specifically go ahead and use Dell servers in my own home cloud specifically because of the software integration with one phone app, I can monitor all of my servers at the same time and know how many hard drives are dead in the entire server cluster, how many of the power supplies are still working optimally, how many servers are off right now, and with the push of a button, just turn servers on and off. And that's already helpful just just with my setup there that only has, what, four servers? That's it. Now imagine that kind of convenience when you have thousands. HP has a very similar sort of setup. And well, an update was forced to put out, was forced to go out. Which are, you know, these updates are useful and patch various holes. You do want to update as frequently as possible But for whatever reason in this case, the update caused, I'm not sure whether it's a NAS, a SAN, or a DAS to just drop the entire workload it was working on. A NAS, SAN, or DAS are basically various methods of storing large amounts of data inside a data center. A NAS stands for a network attached storage device. 
meaning that it's one one unit of multiple units units of storage that a ton of various servers access a san which is a storage array network meaning that a bunch of servers just treat that one large unit of storage as an internal device i know it sounds similar to a nas but trust me there's a difference or a das which is just basically a massive external hard drive that connects to one server but whatever the the case was it caused a massive amount of data that was currently being worked on to just drop and then become corrupted whoops and so as a result a metric ton of data that was in use was just lost. Thus also a key reason as to why you want to go ahead and follow proper redundancies. Whoops. Meanwhile, Wi-Fi certifications. So Wi-Fi certifications have actually made sense lately. Earlier when it came to Wi-Fi standards, you had to be a nerd to understand what it was. Because if, if you went over to some Joe Schmo and asked them, what's better, 802.11a or 802.11g? They wouldn't know. Even some tech-savvy people wouldn't even know what's the usefulness of 802.11b. Or what's better, 802.11ac or 802.11n? Like, things didn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, of course, if you were in the know, you'd know it went 802.11a, 802.11b, then 802.11g, then 802.11n, then 802.11ac, and then I think 802.11ag, and then they decided to go ahead and just call it Wi-Fi 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Like sane, normal people. Well, I hope you're ready for something stupid. Because now it goes Wi-Fi 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and Wi-Fi Certified 6 Release 2. Why? You had a logical, easy-to-follow standard. Like... Oh. Uh. Between Wi-Fi and now the HDMI standards, I, I just want to know, why can't we just have nice things? Please. Pretty please. I, I, I just want sanity. Is that too much to ask? Can I please 
Please have some sanity. Today, tomorrow. Pretty please, no? Okay. I guess I'll just live with it. And before we get to the CES news, let's talk about another convention. One of the other big, and I do mean big, tech conventions out there goes into the gaming space, E3. Well, E3 is already this early, six months in advance, saying E3 is going to go all virtual. And everyone, you know what everyone's saying? Everyone is saying that this is the end of E3. They just couldn't get enough people to willing to show up. Oh, this is the end of E3. Everyone's going off to the Nintendo Direct model. The end of E3 is nigh. Oh my God. Am I the only one that learns from years past? I paid attention. You want to know the reason why we are already announcing that E3 is going to be all virtual this year? Because you have to make these decisions early. Planning for these sort of things happens almost a year ahead of time. The sooner you go ahead and say, we can't do this, the more money you save and the fact that you can get it back. Let's say the week ahead of time, let's say the week before E3, they decide they're going to go all virtual. They are now out the reservation money they had for the hotels, the reservation money they had for the convention centers. They are out all of that. And in a breach of contract, which most likely involves losing more money for breaching the contract with those various convention halls, the amount of money they have to pay out to every single vendor who went ahead and set up a booth here, there, and everywhere. Dude, it makes perfect sense for it to be this early. Why is that so hard for people to get? So no, this isn't some sign that E3 is doomed forever, although it might be. E3 might be doomed forever, but it's not because they went ahead and saw omicron and are and are unsure of how long the omicron surge is going to be going on and they're they're just playing it safe is what they're doing they know they can go all virtual so they're gonna do it it's that simple There isn't some grand conspiracy to have everyone go ahead and just ditch E3. 
This isn't E3 admitting defeat and they're just gonna vanish. That might be the case down the world or down, down the road, I should say. But in this case, it is simply E3 cutting its losses now to be prepared for something down the road. It could very well be that the Omicron surge will be done and over with by the time E3 rolls around. You want to take that chance and be out millions? Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. I don't blame them. I mean, heck, we've got one local convention here with Omicron surging rapidly here in our neck of the woods here. And we've got an anime convention that is still scheduled to go on in uh, what, five weeks? They should bail. They can't. They'd be out way too much. That being said, I'm glad I didn't pre-order my ticket like I normally do. Nor did I nor did I volunteer to uh go and host a Twitch panel like I do every year there. Cause I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if there was going to be a new variant, which turned out there was. I wasn't sure if they were going to go ahead and require masks. And not that I'm anti-mask. I just don't like the idea of being in a crowded space with thousands of hot, sweaty nerds with a giant humidity bubble over my mouth. Like that just doesn't sound like a great time to me and I just rather not go and that's a choice I made this is just not not an attractive option and this is the choice E3 made we can go all virtual we had success going all virtual last year we look at the cards right now and going all virtual makes sense right now so that's what they'll do. I, for one, as far as E3 goes, maybe this is just because of how much faith I've lost in AAA gaming. Do you know what's the only E3 press comments I'm looking forward to this year? It's not Sony. It's not Nintendo. It's not Microsoft. It's not even Square Enix. It's Devolver. I am super looking forward to Devolver's E3 conference. Even though they're technically not part of E3. We're going to take our break here when we come back. We're going to cover the big three CES press conferences. AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA. RGB.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, Intel has had their press conference at CES, of course, as well as AMD and NVIDIA. We're going to cover all of them right now. First things first, Intel pretty much had, um, really on the, on the desktop space, there's only really one thing they had to show. And that's that we totally for realsies have this one fantastic CPU. The Intel 12th generation KS series will reach 5.5 gigahertz on a single core. And it will be the bestest gaming CPU you've ever seen. The 12900KS. It's going to be the gaming king. Let me tell you. cool because that's what we're concerned with right now in the gaming space we are concerned with cpu bottlenecks you nailed it intel that's that's the primary concern it's not the fact there's no gpus to game on it's the fact the cpu is the bottleneck oddly enough in my case for my streaming pc the cpu actually is the bottleneck But even then, the market for computer parts is it is high as a kite. It really is. Like I knew something was wrong when last generation parts are selling for the exact same amount as current gen parts. Someone in chat asks, does they have improved onboard graphics? The KS SKU does not have any integrated graphics. The whole point of the K series is that there is no graphics. It is 100% dedicated for CPU compute only. You need to bring your own discrete graphic card, which, by the way, in the year 2021 and currently in the year 2022, is a complete myth. But what does, however, have integrated GPUs is the 12th generation Intel Core laptop CPUs, which can bring up to 14 cores on high-end portables, and I'd like to talk about it more, but let's be perfectly honest. Uh, The only benchmarks we have are from Intel, and I have a hard time believing any first-party-only benchmarks. Like, I'll believe AMD's personal internal benchmarks more than most other internal benchmarks. But even then, that's just a big, eh, I don't know about that. So these could be good. I would much rather see them in action and tested by someone that is not Intel. That's just my personal preference in that regard. Meanwhile, though, AMD. Yeah, and yes, by the way, we got basically no info on the Arc Alchemist cards at CES. It's kind of disappointing. We got a little bit, but not enough to really, like, matter matter. Wah, wah. 
AMD, however, has announced the Ryzen 7 5800X3D. A modified version of the 5000 ser- fi- the 5800X specifically to go head to head with the brand new 12900KS that Intel is announcing to try and keep that supremacy lead. Which, you know, would be all well and good. If there were any gaming GPUs to buy. You see a pattern with my disappointment in the hardware from CES this this time around? It's hard to get excited about brand new tech when you know there's a massive shortage. You're more than more than likely not going to see any of this. What are you going to get your hands on? The CPU that has no integrated GPU, so it can just sit there and do nothing because there's no video out. Yeah, it's kind of a problem, isn't it? A little bit disappointing. But what can you do? What can you do? Someone sent me a link and then all of a sudden it was just. Uh, God dang it. And someone in chat says retro gaming. Yeah, let's go ahead and retro game with the with the fastest CPU on the planet. I don't know what that's going to do for us. I mean, granted, you can go ahead and emulate the GPU with that amount of performance. Meanwhile, however, AMD is also revealing their 6000 series processors, the Zen 3 Plus mobile processors for laptops. Hey, that could go somewhere. Hopefully. It is once again kind of the thing of just, you know, I want to get excited. But at the same time, the cost of everything is going up. It's harder and harder to find discrete GPUs. So I guess in the end, we can just wait and see what happens. Hopefully the price of this sort of stuff comes down. Hopefully the foundries with this newer tech comes around. We're just kind of stuck in a wait and see mode right now. And I really do wish it was not the case. But then at the same time, you look at this sort of stuff, you're in this wait and see mode, and then you hear Ryzen 7000 being announced, and it is looking to be a much more, well, a much bigger sort of product. The Ryzen 7000 platform, first off, uses a brand new socket. 
There's that for starters. It is no longer going to use the standard sort of, I already forgot what the acronym is. Wow, my mind is blanking on the actual acronym for the processors that uh, AMD currently uses. The ones where it's pins going into a socket. That's what AMD uses currently on their Ryzen processors. Ryzen 7000 is going the other way. It is going to use LGA, a LAN grid array. This is how the this is how Intel processors work and this is how the Threadripper processors work. So the actual processor itself will have golden pads on the underside of the CPU and then the pins on the motherboard make contact with the pads. So if you're in this wait and see mode anyway as it is, like I am currently for the gaming rig, or the streaming rig, I should say, you start to contemplate, well, why not just wait for this one to come come out? Because there's gonna be no, you already now know, Ryzen 5000 has no upgrade path. None. Ryzen 6000 is going to be the mobile platform. The 5000 is where it ends. From there on out, Ryzen 7000 uses a radically different platform. By the way, it will also support DDR5 RAM, which hopefully will be less expensive by then, and also PCI Express Gen 5. Zone Jets as well about the Intel upgrade path. The Intel upgrade path right now, honestly, um, 12th generation, then 13th generation, and then most likely dead. Intel only allows an upgrade path for one generation, and that's it. It is kind of sad how they operate, but it's the truth. It is in fact what they do. And I wish it wasn't the case. AMD at least shows promise of having a little bit of an upgrade path. They usually have like three or four processors able to upgrade on a platform. They've tried getting away with only two a couple of times and then everyone complained and then they allowed an upgrade path down the road. So in even worst case scenario, the AMD upgrade path is still better than the Intel one. That much is for certain. Some early leaks about Ryzen 7000 shows an 8-core part, and a 16-core part. Odds are the new ones will not offer big little architecture. It's going to be all performance cores. But of course, that is all just speculation for right now. At the same time, like I was actually saying, AMD is looking at 
supporting Ryzen 5000 boards on certain 300 series motherboards. So more upgradability coming to older systems. And this is one of the things that actually is giving AMD a lot of credibility right now in the building space. I'm just saying more and more, and AMD is looking more and more compelling, which, hey, great stuff. But what about the GPU space? Well, AMD has revealed the Radeon RX 6500 XT, which may or may not exist come January 19th. There is a lot of hope that these lower end, much more, much cheaper to produce GPUs could in fact beat the scalper demand. But let's be perfectly honest here for a second. If you were going to place a bet, what do you think would happen? Do you think these these cards would be or won't be in stock come February 1st? We've heard time and time again, don't worry, this time they'll be in stock. Don't worry, this time we figured it out and, and we'll meet the demand this time. They will be in stock and you can get them at a reasonable price. You will not be scalped. They're not going to be in stock. I'll just tell you that right now. I would love to be proven wrong, but I do not think the RX 6500 XT is going to be in stock. Just like I don't think NVIDIA's RTX 3050 will also be in stock. By the way, the 6500 XT is going to theoretically be available for $200. You will probably pay $400. Because... I have no faith in the world. <sighs> I want to be wrong. I really do. But the RTX 3050 entry level GPU, real time ray tracing support. Yeah, it'd be a decent 1080p card probably able to do go ahead and do some ray tracing at uh at decent frame rates at lower resolutions like 1080p or 720 then of course you have dlss so i mean render it at 720 upscale to 1080 you can get some decent performance out of that like here's the thing like for most people these low-end cards would be fine But I don't think that we're gonna, they're gonna make it. I think they're still gonna be scalped. I think that they're, and you know what other people said? No, they're not gonna go ahead and scalp these. They're gonna go for the bigger cards. Dude, if you're a scalper, you don't care. 
I caught a scammer earlier trying to get 30 bucks. You think a scalper is not going to spend 250 bucks to go ahead and sell it for $200 more? Of course they are. They absolutely will. And you know what? You know what? They've been getting away with it. Everyone says we have methods to go ahead and block out scalpers from doing that sort of thing. They haven't worked. You've seen them not work. I've seen them not work. They're not going to work. They're going to go ahead. They're going to get bought and they're going to get scalped. It is inevitable. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. I wish there was, but there isn't. But you said all we had to do was just not buy the cards and then the scalps would be left holding the bag. Yeah, that would be the case, but guess what? The scalpers don't need to sell it to you, the person who actually wants the card. They can sell it to the cryptocurrency miner. Because for them, again, any amount of money is worth it to print more money. It's a self-sustained cycle, and that's the part that is the most infuriating about this. It is the fact that nothing that anyone can do stops any of this. Even things like the EVGA lottery. What do you do? You wait a year. You eventually get your card. If I were to put an order in for an RTX 3050 right now, guess what? By the time I get it, it's obsolete. The 4000 series will be out. And so far, nothing anyone has done to try and mitigate this has worked fully. Because even things like the EVGA waiting list, nothing's stopping a scalper from just going ahead and getting in line, getting their fill when they get it. A friend was in that line, and they were kind of half joking, saying, you know, I could sell this right now for... A quick $400 profit. They're not wrong. They could. So given the grim tone I just set for all of this, for what the state of GPU acquisition is right now, I want to know what the heck NVIDIA was thinking. Because in the same line of the RTX 3050 might be able to beat the demand, might be able to get out there, but it probably won't. You know what NVIDIA announces? They announced the existence of the RTX 3090 Ti. The new most powerful GPU 
that I, that I guarantee not a single one will actually end up in a gaming PC or even a video editing PC or any PC that does anything other than mine cryptocurrency. And this actually gets me the thing that infuriates me the most about NVIDIA. Because the entire press conference NVIDIA had that they had at CES, the consumer electronics show was all about how they have had their most successful year ever. Despite the fact that the actual customers, their actual customer base didn't get a single GPU. Okay, well, not a, you know what I mean. The only majority did not. Basically just going out there on the stage and bragging. Hey, gamers. We don't care about you. Because scalpers and cryptocurrency miners and all these people just going ahead and using our products to basically waste power. To accomplish nothing other than continue the blockchain and line their own pockets pay our bills just the same and then to go ahead out there and put the cherry on top being hey by the way we made a 3090 ti you couldn't get your hands on a 3090 or a 3080 or a 3080 ti you couldn't get a hold of any of those high-end GPUs because we couldn't make enough. But you know what? Here, here's the 3090 Ti. A card will make a grand total of seven of, and all of them will end up in cryptocurrency mining rigs for five grand and be able to make 10 grand back easy in a month mining Ethereum because we put out a terrible piece of software as a shade just going, okay, don't worry. We, we're, we're not making sure that cryptocurrency miners get it. Even though it's been hacked, like I haven't done anything to fix it. Screw off. I'm sorry, but I am ticked off at NVIDIA and I've actually loved their products. I have loved the performance of an NVIDIA GPU versus an AMD one for a long, long time. And for the most part, I'm I'm looking very forward to seeing what RDNA 2 has as far as performance and what succeeds RDNA 2 on the AMD side. I am glad to see some actual competition coming to the GPU space, especially after NVIDIA basically just came up on stage and flipped off every single PC gamer out there who actually dared to want to go ahead and use a gaming card to be a gaming card. And I wonder how many other people saw that conference and felt the same. I'm willing to bet a lot. It is a shame. The performance NVIDIA put up out, out there. But you know what? Hey. At least there is one hope. And that's the fact that there's going to be RTX 3070 Ti and RTX 3080 Ti laptop GPUs. And at least there, hey. You can't use a laptop for cryptocurrency mining. 
right? That's like the only saving grace in all of this. It's the fact that cryptocurrency mining on a laptop is is basically cost prohibitive to the crypto miners. It's the only saving grace in all of this. We're going to take our break here when we come back. Let's talk a bit about cryptocurrency, NFTs, and Konami. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So Konami has uh, basically squandered their entire legacy. That that is really the only way to phrase it. Any time, any sort of gaming trend where Konami could squeeze any last bit of sense out of their IP, they jump on it head first, no questions asked. What's that? You wanted to go ahead and enjoy a single-player experience? You wanted to go ahead and enjoy the legacy that Konami had? Well, nah, not for you. You get to go enjoy mobile games with predatory in-app purchasing. You get to go ahead and enjoy pachinko machines. Just dive head in, all in. All greed, no substance. So it comes with no surprise that on the 35th anniversary of the Castlevania series, Konami would much rather go ahead and auction NFTs, including animated GIFs, songs, and screenshots from the beloved Castlevania series. And by the way, that's all they're doing. For the 35th anniversary of Castlevania, that's all they're doing. You know what's sad? What's really sad? And the fact I can say this with a straight face is hilarious. Final Fantasy 14. paid more respect to Castlevania than Konami did. Like, let that sink in. Without even trying. The Final Fantasy XIV raid, Pandemonium, gave more of a nod to Castlevania then Konami's blatant cash grab. It's one thing to just go ahead and go full sellout. It's one thing to just go ahead and say, hey, I own an IP. Let's go ahead and make an NFT out of it. What's the value in it? I don't know. Just go ahead and just buy it for the lulls. Lull. Just, just pay us money because that's the word NFT in it and 
you just go ahead and just buy into it. Like, that's sickening enough as it is. But it's Konami. I pretty much expect it at this point. But again, what slays me is the fact that this is all they did. I look at many other AAA games right now and many other AAA titles and studios. There are some fascinating things going on right now with many, many of the studios in regards to how they're treating their intellectual property and how their employees are reacting. We are seeing an exodus within Ubisoft after the NFT platform launched. Rumblings within EA and Rockstar also about this kind of just mass leaving looking for better better signs after more and more talks about just going all in on mass monetization over actually creating good content I don't mean to keep bringing up Final Fantasy 14 but it is just it's amazing that Final Fantasy 14 show so show had excuse me has an insane amount of success by just going in and actually providing good content for the customers for the players and has proven that they can be insanely profitable by actually putting, dare I say it, the customers first. And what does everyone else do? Let's sell NFTs. Let's make a blockchain game. Let's just go ahead and not give two farts about our own intellectual property that has been a gaming icon for the longest time. Heck, an entire genre has half of Castlevania's name in it. Castlevania was a pioneer in the gaming space with a unique game design. And Konami would rather just disrespect it by selling MP3s and GIFs of the blasted thing rather than giving it any kind of proper respect. And then they go to Twitter and then wonder why everyone's angry at them. 
It's disgusting. And then, of course, the rest of the world is looking at cryptocurrency and wondering why. Why are we doing this to ourselves? The Republic of Kosovo, in fact, is talking about banning cryptocurrency mining totally as they face an energy crisis. A lot of people are trying to figure out where does cryptocurrency have its value? Where could this technology have a benefit for us in the future? How could we use NFTs for good? And I posed this question to someone as we were having this debate. And I'm going to pose it to you as well. I want you to imagine for a moment that we have solved energy. Let's pretend for a second that we have developed a way to put solar panels on every building. They generate sufficient power, whether in sunlight, in overcast, or even off moonlight itself. That you could go ahead and sustain your home easily even on moonlight. Let's pretend for a moment that we actually got energy working that well. All right? Would you go ahead and run computers consuming one to two to three kilowatts of power to cryptocurrency mine? Or would you rather go ahead and use that power for literally anything else, like a television, like a gaming rig, or to charge your car? The point I make is that even if all energy is green, all energy is renewable, It is still a waste of that energy. To keep the blockchain going, to go ahead and track every single exchange for all these cryptocurrencies, which have their value fluctuate radically because there's no sense of stability to them whatsoever. Or just go ahead and track who owns an NFT. The blockchain has provided no real tangible value. And NFTs itself still have the biggest problem, and I want to stress this 
the NFT you buy is not stored in the blockchain. If Konami goes under and you bought one of their NFTs, you own a serial number to a 404 error. An NFT, I want to stress this, and, I, and if there's one thing in this whole cryptocurrency nonsense that I'm going to drill into your skull, whether you are for or against NFTs, is the fact that an NFT, all it is, when push comes to shove, is a serial number and a link. No more, no less. And like any other link, if whatever it goes to is changed, then what you own is now also changed. If you go ahead and go to Konami's website and buy one of these NFTs and I go and hack the website later and change it to change that that link to go to a turd, guess what? You're now the proud owner of a turd. Or if the whole website goes down, you are now the proud owner of nothing. This is an irrefutable fact of NFTs. I, as the person that could go ahead, take a screenshot of your NFT or just download the raw file and store it on a hard drive, own that digital piece of good more than you do. Because all you have is a link and nothing more. And this is why I keep trying to get it through everyone's skull that NFTs are a scam. Because even if you get it from a legitimate place like Konami, All you have is a link and links break and links fail. By the by, another developing story, speaking of NFTs that is still kind of ongoing. I'm still monitoring very, very closely. The Discord bot MeSeeks, M-E-E, the number six, has made announcements in regards to their bot being used to facilitate the sell and trade of NFTs. And also doing their own NFT drop in addition to proliferating the sale of NFTs. The problem with a platform like MeSeeks going ahead and doing NFT trading There's no verification that you actually have have the rights to sell an NFT of that. And I've made this example before countless times. There's an artist discord I'm in. They post fantastic works on a daily basis. Nothing would stop me other than, you know, not being a monster from just going in there, copy the art, save it, and upload as an NFT for massive profits. So please, crypto bros, 
considering you continue time and time and time and time again continue to go ahead and say that cryptocurrency is the future are you satisfied with the way the state of your community is the fact that crime is so easily able to happen in your utopia are you fine with that or am I just ignorant in all of this because let me tell you you've yet to prove me wrong And maybe there are a few of you going ahead and trying to fight against the fraud and blatant theft happening in your world. But guess what? It's still not enough. Not even close. It's also for this exact same kind of reason why there is backlash against companies like Mozilla who did in fact for the longest time take cryptocurrencies as donations but now as more and more people start to see the cryptocurrency community as basically just one giant haven for fraudsters and thieves and scammers Mozilla has in fact stopped taking donations via cryptocurrency I'm willing to bet they're not going to be the last either I think more and more people are going to go ahead and start pausing their purchasing of cryptocurrency. In fact, we were on the Coinbase website earlier for one of the stories regarding the Republic of Kosovo. By the looks of it, crypto prices are going more and more and more and more down. Some crypto is starting to go ahead and dip back up at the time of recording this. But all in all, cryptocurrency took a big dip. Like we're just scrolling through all of the various cryptocurrencies that CoinDesk keeps an eye on. And a lot of the uh a lot of the graphs look like a spoon. Like a lot, a lot of them. something to keep an eye on 
Now, let's talk about another story. Cory Doctorow went ahead and made an amazing discovery. He made an insane discovery. Did you know that Norton antivirus mines cryptocurrency in the background without your permission and skims a commission by using your hardware to mine cryptocurrency? <gasps> oh my gods. I can't believe they would do something like this without your permission. Can you believe that? Can you believe it would do that? Well, how many of you remember almost a little over a half a year ago, we talked about a story about Norton Antivirus to offer the ability to use resources in the background with your consent to mine cryptocurrency, and it sounded like a massive gimmick. You remember that? That's all this is. Literally, this whole thing that people are trying to go ahead and say, aha, we caught Norton in the middle of something skinny. They're not. It's just stupid. No, Norton Antivirus does have the ability to mine cryptocurrency in the background, but it's a gimmick feature it barely puts a load on your PC, and as a result, it barely mines any cryptocurrency. You know what it is? What it was? And what it still is? It's a gimmick to sell to boomers. That's what it was, and that's what it still is. Norton Antivirus, if for whatever reason you still use it, is not mining cryptocurrency without your permission. But here's the thing. Don't expect to get a whole lot of cryptocurrency from Norton Crypto because the way it's mining cryptocurrency is super inefficient. It's basically using very few CPU cycles to mine the crypto. If you know anything about cryptocurrency mining, it takes like, first off, it uses GPUs for almost all forms of cryptocurrency. There are exceptions, but almost all use GPUs. And it basically pegs them at max. It's almost a complete synthetic load. Someone in chat says, dude, you're only using two of your eight cores. We could be using those other six cores for mining crypto with Norton. It doesn't even use that though. That's the killer part about, about Norton crypto. Like, it uses half a core. Which, I mean, okay, great. It's not actually using a whole lot of CPU usage to mine crypto. On the downside, it's not mining any crypto! It's barely doing anything! So, no. Nothing sinister is happening within Norton. It's just something incredibly stupid.
I still blast Norton for having a crypto thing built into it. I also blast Norton for having a crypto thing in it that is terrible. You know what I will blast though that is new? Samsung promising groundbreaking new TV feature. The ability to show NFTs. Really? Is this going to be the new buzzword of TVs? NFT support? You know what, though? It's super easy. It's super easy to include NFT support in any device. You want to know why? Remember what I said what an NFT is? It's a serial number and a link. All you need is Google Chrome and you can view an NFT. Because it's just a link. That's all it is. Like, here, here. You want to know how to really, like, tick off your friend? Any device they have that has a web browser built into it, even if it's just like a pixel or not even a pixel, a, um, an, a, a Amazon Kindle, anything that has a web browser in it. That device supports NFTs. You wouldn't be wrong. Dude, my watch supports NFTs. My cell phone supports NFTs. Both of my computers support NFTs. My game, actually, no, these, these two game consoles I have on my desk do, actually, no, wait. Does the PlayStation 2 have a web browser? Well, I don't have the network card, so it doesn't matter. But my PS4, it supports NFTs. My Nintendo Switch that all of my villagers and Animal Crossing are rioting against me because I refuse to show up after I said I totally would after the last update. That supports NFTs. Your smart fridge that has that screen on it that only shows the weather, that supports NFTs. That smart thermostat, that supports NFTs. Like, this is such a nothing feature. It's hilarious how useless this feature is. But of course, we're going to go all in because NFT is the buzzword now. Oh, man. The rift that is very quickly forming between crypto bros and crypto... Crypto knows. We'll just call them crypto knows. 
Someone in chat says Eagle Eye on Tech. NFT support coming in 2023. Unfortunately, this is a podcast. I do not have the ability in this podcast that is a VOD. I mean, that's video that is video or audio that is on demand to be able to go ahead and open a link that you send to me right now. I do not have that power. I am sorry. This podcast does not support NFTs. That being said, by supporting this podcast for a mere $1 a month and getting access to our extended versions, the subscriber-only versions of the podcast that include extra stories we're going to get to in the main podcast, you too can make it so that this podcast will not have to go ahead and get NFTs. I kid, there's no way in heck we'd ever go ahead and have NFTs. It's like, why? I really do look forward to the day when more and more of the support for NFTs just goes ahead and just dies off as the fad that it is. You want to know when NFTs will die, though? Here's when NFTs will die. When one of these big NFT repos can no longer pay their web hosting bill. The instant one of these websites goes down and all of those NFTs just vanish and people realize what I've been saying, that NFTs are just a link and a serial number, is in fact correct. That is when NFTs truly start to die. Until then, it just supports itself as basically a cult. We're going to take a break here when we come back. We're going to get to some of the weirder CES stories. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So we're going to close up today's episode with the Verge CES Awards. This has been kind of a tradition ever since the dawn of Eagle Eyes on Tech, where we go through the Verge's awards. And I was actually really excited to see that the Verge is still doing CES Awards this year, despite the fact that they bragged about how enlightened they were for absolutely sending no one to CES to actually experience any of them. This is literally them just evaluating the products only through the various virtual experiences. That's it. Now, we we have a lot of other articles we could talk about. I'm going to save them all for the bonus episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. You can find more information about the bonus episode and subscribing at anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech every week there's a new bonus episode and it's 
literally a dollar a month. Literally the most value you're ever going to get out of a single dollar. I'm just saying, what's going to give you more value? An additional almost four hours of tech insight and rants or a stick of gum. Just saying. Actually, who am I kidding? At the rate things are going, the stick of gum is pro- probably more expensive than a dollar. Someone in chat says the Taco Bell value menu. Hmm. That's actually a tough one. I haven't looked at the ta- I haven't looked at Taco Bell menu in so long. Hmm. I know I'm safe from the McDonald's value menu just because. Dude, the McDouble's like almost $2. Like, what the heck? McDonald's had one job. Cheap, bad food. It's not cheap anymore. Anyway, uh, contemplating whether my rants have the same value as fast food, which I would personally argue that my rants have more value than fast food, but I also admit that my opinion is very biased. The Verge has given us CES awards, and we're going to start off with the best in show. We're actually going in the order that, that The Verge does, which is backwards what it should be. The best in show goes to the Samsung Odyssey Arc. They specifically say that it goes without saying that over the past two years, the humble computer monitor has gained new appreciation in many people's eyes. It's what makes working from home comfortable and productive. That is the stupidest thing I've ever read. (laughs) Yes, I suppose you are technically correct. The computer monitor is in fact what makes working from home comfortable and productive. Cause I'm not going to lie, trying to stare at my motherboard inside the, inside the computer case to figure out what my computer is doing and where the start menu is has been really tiresome. What the heck else is I going to use other than a monitor? <laughs> okay. Um, bad writing aside, the, uh, the article continues. It allows us to play games from either our preferred consoles or a high powered PC. It is often the centerpiece of a home office setup. I would certainly hope so. Someone in chat says, what, you mean you don't use computer beeps and Morse code? Ah, you're right. I should be more considerate for... The Morse code pieces. <laughs> oh, man. The article continues. It, so it's no surprise that a monitor is what captured our attention at CES the most this year. The Sam's, Samsung's Odyssey Arc is not just any monitor, though. The combination of a number of trends in one package. For starters, the huge 55-inch screens that may be commonplace in TVs... They're still rare in monitors. Second, it's high resolution, 4K resolution. 
for sharp text at reasonable distances. And it's not only the it's not only Samsung's first curve monitor. We've already seen multiple generations of Odyssey S9 wraparound view, but it's its largest by a significant margin with a with the 16 by 9 aspect ratio that makes it less ultra wide and more ultra large compared to monitors like the G9. Samsung demos demos of its portrait orientation shows it arcing above the viewer's head, reminding me of how a Tesla's windshield extends far beyond your line of sight. Though we don't know its price yet, don't expect cheap, or when Samsung will deliver this, they won't, it's easy to envision the immersive experience you can obtain with it. Okay, I have a question. The monitor, really a giant curved monitor, a giant 4K TV that is also a monitor. That was what caught your attention at CES? Not the color changing car, not the modular computer desk. Not the plethora of folding displays, not the laptops judging your, uh, challenging your, your perspective of what two screens and a laptop could do. No, it's a big curved monitor that caught your attention at CES. Look, I know you weren't there, but really, dude, really, really. You have a really bad imagination. Someone in chat says there wasn't fake meat for them to judge this year. Oh, man. I would have lost it if that was the case. The best laptop, the ROG Zephyrus G4. I'll save you the trouble of the article. It's a 14-inch laptop with an RTX 3060 and also has an option for an AMD Radeon 6800s armed with a ryzen 9 processor and it's a 16 by 10 laptop it's just fine honestly like i'm kind of surprised that the verge would go ahead and give you know give the award to Quite possibly one of the most basic laptops there. I wasn't kidding when I said there was a laptop that had a second screen. They actually put the second screen as a large, like, 17-inch laptop. You'd have your keyboard off to the side, and when you have a numerical pad, they would have a second touchscreen in the numericals pad space that would extend all the way down to the palm rest. And that screen would be a touchscreen. Like, that's an interesting and creative design, and I think that could possibly go places. But this is just, you know, this is just what we expect every year. We expect a basic chiclet-style keyboard laptop with a magnesium alloy chassis 
there's nothing unique or new about this Zephyrus G14. It's just the next Zephyrus G14. That's it. The only reason that it's decent is because it has newer specs in it. That's one thing that actually does drive me nuts about these... about these tech articles going ahead and giving out these best laptop awards they always give it to a basic bare unimaginative laptop you're at ces the tech wonderland of the year crazy concepts are everywhere challenging what we think of when we think of laptops desktops tvs or monitors and what do you give it to you give it to a curve you give best in show to a curved monitor which I could see giving that giving best monitor to that monitor, but best in show, really? And then you give best laptop to the most basic laptop there that wasn't a Dell. Good job, Verge. Good job. You have continued to disappoint me. The best TV, the Sony A95K QD OLED 4K TV. It's a thin wall-mounted 4K TV with quantum dot technology for better color accuracy. I have nothing good or bad to say about it. It pushes the limits of color accuracy, but I mean... You know what I can say about it, though? There's one positive thing I can say about this TV. It will most likely exist. Because that is one thing you always have to remember about CES. A large number of the products could just decide, eh, existing is for suckers. Let's just never launch. This TV I could see existing. That's the best I got. Best monitor, the, the Samsung Odyssey Arc. <sighs> well, I mean, I can't argue with it. I still argue with the Samsung Odyssey Arc being the... Uh, the, be the best in show, though. Best concept, the e-ink paint found on the BMW iX concept car. So this is a very weird vehicle. The car looks fairly normal, but the paint on it is actually e-ink. Of course, under layers of protection. So... With the push of a button, the car can go from gray to black or some gradient in between with the push of a button in real time. It's a really cool concept, but why? Why would you do that? It's gone to plaid, someone in chat says. Assuming you could have that final control, why not? 
why not turn into black and white plaid? Best robot. Robot shelf. I'll actually read the article for this one. Normally CES is awash with robot concepts. From dogs to bipedal humanoid vaporware to weird little balls with cameras attached. This year, with so few people attending, like yourselves I might add, there's less reason for companies to trot out their ideas for robots. Instead, there was just one robot that stood out, and though it's not shipping anytime soon, it's so simple and practical, it has a better shot at becoming a real than most of the concepts we see at CES. So you're just admitting it gets the award for best robot because there was no other robots. Okay, then. The article continues. It's called the Labrador Retriever. And it's simply a shelf on wheels that is able to navigate around your house. It moves a little slowly. It doesn't have LiDAR. But it can open a fridge and get you a beer. Let me interject. All right, I'm sold. That's it. That's best in show right there. Why, why, why is the monitor the best in show? You got a robot that can get me a beer. I'm in. <laughs> How'd the monitor win best in show? You got a robot that can fetch me a beer. And this is why I cover the Verge CES Awards every year, because it just shows the lack of creativity or working gray matter over at the Verge. And may, it might feel like cheap shots, but man, I couldn't make these cheap shots if it weren't for the fact that they continue to make such bad decisions. The article then continues. Though only if you have added motors to the fridge door and put the beer on an accessible shelf. It does all this using off-the-shelf technology to solve a real problem. Helping people with limited mobility move stuff around their house instead of shooting for the stars and landing on its face. Labrador has set an achievable goal to solve a real human need with technology that exists right now i actually can't argue with this this one i really can't i am disappointed we don't have very i'm disappointed that we don't have you know better uh robots but still interesting best wearable the garmin vivo move sport Razer had a smartwatch there, by the way. And it was a real smartwatch. Uh, the Garmin Vivo Move Sport is... You know what the Garmin Vivo Move Sport is? It's a normal watch 
with a pedometer and a heart rate monitor in it. That's it. It's a very entry-level sort of smartwatch, but doesn't track a whole lot of the uh, of the smartwatch features, but it's still priced absurdly high at $180. That's what this is. Best wearable? Not even close. I'm sorry, this is dead on arrival to me. When you're talking about 180 bucks and you're going ahead... <laughs> Someone in chat said it's not smart enough. It can't show NFTs. He's not 180 bucks. I can't even view my bored ape. What's the point? What's the point? No, I'm greatly disappointed. And I'm not going to bother reading the article. It. It's just. No. I'm sorry, Verge, you're wrong. Just straight up wrong. Best gadget for a smart home. Yes, that is apparently an award now. The Masonite Smart Door. Now, here's what I love. The award, which, by the way, we have not had this name for an award yet, is Best Gadget for a Smart Home. First sentence, what I love about the Masonite M Power Smart Door is that it's not a great, it's not a gadget. You just called the award the best gadget for a smart home. First sentence, not a gadget. Why not just call it the best smart home device? Now he tries to save his face and say, it's all the gadgets. Just call it a device. This is this weird rigmarole. You invent a new title, then say it's not it, then say it's all of it. It's just... The birds have been locked in a room smelling their own farts for way too long. They need to get this fixed. They need to get this condition of theirs looked at. The smart door puts every device you need to control the main access point to your home in one. A video doorbell, a smart lock, a motion-activated smart lighting, even a door sense capable to warn you when it's left open. It's powered by your home, not hundreds of disposable batteries you have to change every six months. I'm, my disappointment is immeasurable and my day is ruined. That's all I can say. Best electric car, the Chevy Equinox. All right, you know what? Let's just. Let me just put this out there. The only reason the Chevy Equinox won best electric car is because, for the most part, Chevy was the only one who seriously came with electric vehicles. And the Equinox was their only car. I mean, that's it. Not that it really matters, because, of course, 
Chevy is not going to have this car out until you know 2024. Most Samsung. This is now apparently an award. This They've never had this be an award. Most Samsung. All right, so what's the what defines something as the most Samsung? The most ability to devour all the RAM on the phone? To make a powerful phone feel like a clunky mess because of the terrible UI? Most Samsung war goes to NFT support on Samsung TVs. I'm not going to lie. Samsung might push me back into the Apple ecosystem. And the fact that I can think about that straight up with the way that Samsung's going and actually go like, you know, maybe Apple's not so bad. That should say volumes about Samsung right now. The fact that they'd even let the thought enter my head that maybe Apple's not so bad. That's that's horrifying. I hate it. Do you, do you really want me to go and rant for six more hours about NFTs? No, we're just going to move on. The best thing we'd actually buy award. Okay, then. The best thing we'd actually buy award. This went to the Schlage and Code Plus Wi-Fi door lock. It's a Wi-Fi door lock. It unlocks using a bracelet or NFT or your Apple Watch. Actually, I think it just used its Apple Watch. I wasn't sure for a moment because uh, I thought he was wearing a, lip, a, a uh, Armstrong bracelet, but it turns out it's actually the 10 cent band that went with his $500 Apple Watch. Anyway, moving on. Next award. The best thing we've always wanted and was finally announced award. The best thing we've always wanted and was finally announced award. Once again, this is a brand new award category for The Verge. And you know what's even better? They come up with a creative title like this. And they waste it on a TV. The LG C Series 42-inch OLED TV. It's what you always wanted. A generic as heck 42-inch OLED TV. What are you feeding yourselves in the Verge cafeteria? Whatever you're, whatever you're feeding yourselves, whatever you're eating, it is causing brain rot. And I am now legitimately concerned for your health because whatever you're, whatever you're eating over there is causing brain damage. 
Look, you can keep writing whatever garbage you want, but think of your employees. Think about their health. I'm working myself ragged with freaking 12, 14 hour days every single day. And I'm in a better mental state than, than your freaking writers. What does this say about you guys? Next award, best gimmick. You're at CES, everything's a gimmick. You're at Gimmick Central. This is also a brand new category, by the way. But I'm going to read the article because you need to suffer like I did. The best gimmick went to the TP-Link Archer Axe 200 Omni. Does it actually matter which way you point the antennas on your router? After years of fiddling or even relying on expert advice, I'm not sure. But a router that does, that does the work on its own might be the best choice. I hate you with all my hate. You know what? You don't know even hurts even more. The fact that this router is Wi-Fi 6E compatible. The fact that there's now a Wi-Fi 6E also makes my brain hurt. And we're just going to move on. The best thing we'd want if the price was right. Award. The L'Oreal Color Sonic. I'm just gonna let. I'm not, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna look at the article. I'm just gonna let. Best thing we'd actually buy if the price was right. The L'Oreal Color Sonic. Just gonna let that sit there. And I'm just gonna move on. And then finally, my personal favorite of the awards. And just proving The Verge stopped caring an attorney ago about their own opinion and the way they structure themselves. The award for best thing we'd actually buy part two. You made up every other award. <laughs> it, it's not like you had a clear structure. You just made it up as you went. You had fewer rules to go with than whose line is it anyway, the show. But your creativity is so lacking. You're just like thing we'd actually buy part two. It goes to Samsung freestyle projector. Portable projectors aren't anything new, but Samsung's new freestyle looks so fun and easy that just was an immediate standout at CES 2022, which I remind you that they weren't actually at. You can stream Netflix on your ceiling. Bring it on a camping trip. 
or use the Freestyle as a projector for your PC or laptop. It's all doable. Anything is possible. You know what the Freestyle projector sounds like to me with the way this guy is saying it? The Freestyle projector is Zombo.com. Anything is possible at Zombo.com. Your life, your dreams, your everything, all possible at Zombo.com. I just... Oh, The Verge. I was worried this year we wouldn't get awards out of you. And once again, you have proven to me that you guys are absolutely bat squeak insane and quite possibly need to go ahead and see see something just get help <laughs> the only limit is yourself folks that's going to do it for this episode of eagle eyes on tech thank you so much for listening i encourage you to check out the subscri- subscription episode of eagle eyes on tech anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech there's going to be a big, big episode this time around. All the CES stories in great in greater detail. And check out, check out the daily podcast, the Early Burb Briefing, anchor.fm slash early burb, B-I-R-B, briefing. And check out my Twitch page, where we record this podcast every week, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and hopefully we'll see you next time. Look, I'm just going to say the biggest disappointment in these Verge Awards is two. One, that we did not get to see Best Minivan of 2022. And two, the other big downfall of the Verge Awards this time around, the Razor Modular doesn't make it in. the wackiest thing there and you just really nothing okay verge i am disappointed once again